0: Hello, and welcome to the G2 Podcast. I wonder if you can think of some people in your life that don't know Jesus. For some of you, that might be you, and that's, that's totally fine. This isn't an in-and-out kind of exclusive thing. Um, but think of some other people who don't know Jesus in your life. Maybe colleagues, maybe family members, housemates, course mates, gym buddies, maybe your plumber, I don't know. And how did they respond to the fact that you believe in God? Have you told them? Have you talked to them about it? When we had our bathroom fitted, we had a Tyler and, and his name was Earl. Was his surname? York. Oh, we just called him Earl of York. <laughs> right. <laughs> Classic Luke Smith. <laughs> <laughs> i thought that was like a really good story that anyway um, <laughs> so we had this time called earl and then um, and he'd spent a week in our house tied in our bathroom and then um, we'd had lots of chats and i'd served him lots of cups of tea and the occasional bacon sandwich and at the end of the week he said to me so anyway what do you do for a living um and i said to him oh actually i, I helped to lead a church in york to which he looked very confused and he was like Uh, what what do you mean I was like oh well we're we're a church we're kind of Church of England but we don't meet in a Church of England building explained it a bit and he was like so do you work for the council no no and he had absolutely no context no context for what church is what it could be what it even looked like there was no background at all and it was fascinating really and then he left quite soon after that he did finish our bathroom thankfully and then somewhere else on the spectrum is my mum, who isn't a Christian at all, none of my family are Christians, but um, she went to Sunday school a few times and now thinks she knows everything there is to know about church and will argue adamantly if if I ever mention anything. So I don't really mention it very often now because it will just be an argument. She is convinced she knows everything, you know, about the Trinity and about Jesus and, oh no, he didn't say that and I, just leave it. Um, my dad, they bless them. My parents, they do try and ask me about my job, but they have no idea what to say. But recently, we were talking about it and um, talking about my job, and they, like, oh, are you busy at work and things like that. And then my dad looked at me and said, "Do you indoctrinate people?" I was like, "I, I mean, if I did, I wouldn't admit it, would I? Like people that do that aren't known for going around going, yeah, yeah, yeah. We actually put stuff in the coffee to make people, but." Um, and then somewhere else on the spectrum, recently, I we at the end of our small group, we went home, we'd had a babysitter, the lovely Hannah Jorgensen had babysat for us, so I drove her home, and then on my way back, coming down University Hill... I saw three student guys. Two of them were literally like dragging the one in the middle. He was so drunk that he couldn't even walk. So they were at the bottom of Uni Hill. I was at the lights. I was like, oh, bless them. The lights changed. And as I drove off, I just thought about my two sons who are currently 9 and 11. But one day, I really hope not, but one day that could be them. So I turned around and I drove back and I stopped. And I was like, do you guys need help? And they were like, um... Yeah, and I was like, where are you going? And they said, James College, which is so far away from where they were and, uh, and it meant getting over the hill and I was like, is he going to be sick? And they were like, no, everything that could come up has already come up. Was like, Lovely. So I was like, get him in the car, let's get the windows down, let's drive home. There was, just for the record, there was a female student there as well who was totally sober because um, I text Luke and said, I'm just giving some student boys a lift home. So then he sat up worrying about, it. There, was a, there was a girl, which makes it safe, doesn't it? I don't know. So, uh, so I took them all home, but um, on the way there, there was one guy who was. They were all drunk, but one was slightly more sober. And um, and he, he just kept going. Who are you? And I was like, well, I'm from a local church. We have loads of students in our church. Like, I really love students. I just wanted to help. And he's like, are you an angel? And I was like, I don't, no, I don't think I'm an angel. No, I just helped to lead a church. And he's like, I'm gonna convert tomorrow. And I was like, I don't think you're going to remember anything tomorrow, but it's really good that you're open to this conversation. Yeah, I should have got his name or something. Could have followed up, could have sent all you students to follow. He lives at James College, okay? Just go pray around James College. There's so many people in our lives that don't know Jesus. And in this passage, Jesus says, the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few, He's talking to the disciples here. He is telling them that so few people know that their Heavenly Father, so few people really believe that Jesus was the son of God and that these miracles that we've just seen if you were here last week if you were in small groups or a student night this week we were looking at these miracles that Jesus was performing he healed a woman who'd been bleeding for 12 years he healed he brought a girl back to life that had died a demon possessed man two blind men and so many more and all of that was training he was training the disciples how to do that and then he says to them, there's so few of us that can do this work and, um, and that really believe this. And that is true today, isn't it? There are so many people around us who haven't heard the good news of Jesus, who haven't witnessed how encountering Jesus can change our lives, who haven't known that deep love that Jesus has for them. There's so few of us that can do the work. A recent faith survey suggests that it's less than 10% of the population go to church. I think among students it's more like 1% go to church. There's so many people around us who don't know Jesus and we are the workers. Jesus called his 12 disciples Here, as Imi just read, he called them by name and he gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. He's shown them how to do it and now he's sending them to go and do what he has done. He called them, he equipped them, and he sent them out. Were they ready? Probably not. Did they feel ready? I can't imagine all that they felt ready to go and do this. Did they know everything that they needed to know in order to do this? No. But were they willing? Were they ready to step into that authority that Jesus was giving them? And in Matthew 10, the rest of Matthew 10, which we're going to be looking at in our small groups over the next three weeks, Jesus gives loads of advice to the disciples. That's where he really equips them. What he says to them in chapter uh, 10 is so important so that they can go out and do this work and that they're ready to do it. The harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. Back in October, I was commissioned here as the leader of uh, Of G2 and if you were here then you'll know that the bishop came wearing all his bishopy clothes and the archdeacon came as well Um, and they they had certain words to say and then they prayed for me and there were words that the congregation had to say as well and it was lovely and I will always um, appreciate anyone praying for me but in all honesty there was something deeply uncomfortable about it for me because The work I do as the leader here is not any more important than what what anyone else is doing. I'm just doing what I'm called to do. But all of us are called in different spheres. David is a carer. That's what he's called to do. Annabelle works for a charity. That's what she's called to do. Chris is an engineer. That's what he's called to do. Jeff is a student. That's where he's called to be right now. We are all called to be the workers in the field, all in our different spheres. And together we harvest, not alone. We're not called to do this alone. And as we look through Matthew 10, and Jesus uses the word you a lot, and it's always the plural version of you. If he was from Texas, what would he say, Emmy? Y'all. Thankfully, he's not. We love Texas. (laughs) You together, us together, we are the church together, called into different places, but we're a team. Who here has seen Clarkson's farm on Prime? Yeah, we got a bit desperate in the last lockdown, didn't we? I was so reluctant, I am not a fan of Clarkson and that massive ego of his, but it did feel like we'd got to the end of Netflix and needed something to watch. And then there was parts of it that I really enjoyed, but particularly there was one episode where they'd, you know, they'd um, plant, planted, sown the crops and then they'd tended to them and it rained and they'd grown and they were waiting for harvest moment. And they had to do a daily moisture test and the moisture in the rapeseed needed to be more than 6%, but less than 9% in order to harvest. And um, they were talking about how seasoned farmers can actually just bite the seed and know what the moisture is. They just know what percent it is. But they used a machine, because it's Jamie Clarkson, who doesn't know anything, and they were testing it every day. And they had to watch it and wait for it and... and You know, just keep going. And then suddenly they tested it and it was 8% and it's time to go. And they had to move now. They had to go now and harvest the crops while it was ripe. Obviously, like, he hadn't got anything ready and he didn't have the right machine. And then he had to phone around everyone and, and do it. But it was so crucial that they moved in that moment. And I wonder if we see ourselves as farmers in a field God is the farmer and we are his workers. And last term, Luke spoke about how God is a gardener and and how we need to see ourselves more like gardens that are being pruned and tended to and how we grow and develop and we need water and we need light. We need nurturing. And this is true of everyone, all those people around us. And so in this passage, that metaphor is extended. God is the gardener or the farmer, and we are the workers, helping to tend to the rest of the garden and getting ready for harvest, for when that time is right, for helping people to say yes to Jesus. So it doesn't matter what your work is. It doesn't matter where you spend the majority of your time if you work for a big corporation or a charity or if you're a full-time parent right now or a carer or a manager or you spend most of your time playing football or if you're a bin man or a teacher or a doctor. We are all God's workers. We are all commissioned to do this. We are all ordained to do the ordinary to be ordained is basically like a church word that's kind of used to describe when a person um, has hands laid on, on them and they are prayed for and commissioned to, to do a certain role. It's a way of signifying the, a calling. But we are all ordained for the ordinary, for our day-to-day, for wherever it is that God has put us right now, where Jesus has sent us, That's where we go with that same authority that we see Jesus give his disciples in this passage. And so if any of us believe that what we do is less important, if any of us believe that what we do is secular, not holy, where we work isn't that important, God doesn't really care, then we will never ever take hold of the power of God in us to live out the call of Jesus in wherever our two feet are on any given day. And then our work actually does become less meaningful because we haven't stepped into that authority and our hearts and our prayers aren't with us. And I think we do know that logically, but I wonder if we always live like that. We know that Sunday isn't spiritual and the rest of the week isn't secular. Obviously, Sunday is spiritual. You know what I mean. There's not a separation of the spiritual and the secular. We gather here to, to celebrate what God has done in the week. We gather here to equip each other to go out and do the work. But it's not spiritual and secular. Everywhere we go, we go with the Spirit. And therefore, every place is a holy place. Every place is somewhere where the Spirit resides, where God shows up because we show up carrying his presence and his power and his purpose. We don't believe in a sacred, secular divide. We know that God is with us in everything that we do. And so we are all ordained for the ordinary.
1: And um, I think just to, just to tease that thought out a little bit more before we get you to just chat on your tables briefly with, I'd love you to be already thinking uh, about where your ordinary is and who your ordinary is. Um, what that might look like in your life. To whom uh, do you go? Um, <laughs> I, w- I work in with Fusion, and I quite, in my job, I spend a lot of time with church leaders, uh, and lots of them are in the Church of England. Not all of them are. But one of the most common questions I'm asked is, are you going to get ordained? Um, and, uh, or, or have you considered getting ordained? Or would you reconsider whether or not you should get ordained <laughs> and I'm asked this very regularly, uh, and I know that uh, lots of friends who do a similar thing to me are also asked that question, and I enjoy it because I get to pull the leg of the person who's asking me that question, uh, and I say, I can see that you've been called to get ordained, which is wonderful, and you've done it. Uh, I've asked God about that, and it's not for me to be ordained to be a church leader and to be a vicar, Um, but I have a mate called Paul Nags. Uh, Paul Nags. Uh, He used to be in G2 a long time ago, uh, and he's a fantastic guy, and he's a landscape gardener. And he uh, didn't used to do that. He used to work in admin somewhere, uh, and then he felt actually what made him come alive was being a landscape gardener. He felt called by God to do that, and so what he does is he goes to people's houses that want their gardens and landscaping, and he talks about their whole life story and finds out all about them, and then they design a garden together, and he landscapes it, and it's something that draws out their whole story, and that's his calling, By the way, he has never tried to persuade me to be called to be a landscape gardener. But about 50 or 60 vicars have tried to persuade me that I should also be a vicar. So I'm just telling you this kind of story in a kind of uh, slightly tongue-in-cheek way to say, you really are not all called to do the same thing. You are called to do what God has placed you, where he's placed you, with whom he's placed you, who has he given you, what things has he put on your heart, where do you most come alive? And this is where you're called And that is where we want to ordain one another to in a moment. We're going to do that. You might see there's oil on the table. And so we're going to ordain each other to the ordinary. uh, And we'll explain how we're going to do that in a a moment. Um, Also, uh, a few weeks ago, maybe it was before Christmas, was it? Um, Aaron, um, our son, did one of the ignition talks, which really spoke to me personally. Uh, Often God speaks to me through my kids. Um, and yeah, when he, he spoke about the loaves and fish story uh, of imagining being with the boy who brought the loaves and fish to Jesus uh, and offering them up, and he gave us a challenge as a church to say, um, it doesn't matter if you don't feel you've got loads to offer, but the question is, what are you going to offer Jesus? Because he'll uh, transform it for something amazing. Uh, and, that, and it's the same thing with this. There's... Uh, Our ordinary is something that God can transform and make something wonderful if we're willing to offer it to him. So this is a bit of a, uh, like Hannah's mentioned, the Sunday delusion as well, isn't there? Like the idea is that church exists uh, for itself and it doesn't. So today we want to commission each other and ordain each other into the ordinary, just like Jesus did with his disciples, which is why it's really important that he mentioned all of, in that passage, all the disciples were mentioned, which are a really ramshackle bunch from a whole group of different stories and everything. And Jesus invited them into his story and commissioned them to go and do the stuff. He just didn't do it all himself. And they did, then did the same with the early church. And it's always continued from then, or at least it should do. So uh, we're going to do some vows and promises Um, together. But first of all, um, I'd like you to just chat with the people that you're next to about what is your ordinary. Um, And like I said before, don't don't feel that that's saying boring. Don't hear the word boring with ordinary. It is your God-given every day. But what's your ordinary look like and who might that be? So you might want to think of one or two people uh, that you spend time with or, or maybe a, an instance or a place or something like that that you want to mention so just spend a couple of minutes doing that and then we'll do some vows and I'll explain all about that and don't don't worry vows aren't too over the top you're not going to have to sign anything anyway chat chat to the people next to you for a few minutes okay so um we're going to say some vows together. Now, you might be sitting here, maybe you're new to G2, you might not feel that you're a Christian or something, and you might be like, oh, I don't want to do this. This feels a bit weird. Um, and you're really welcome to join in if you feel you can. And if you feel that like it's not for you, then please don't feel any pressure. Um, but we are uh, going to say some stuff together. If you'd like to join in, we'd love you to do that. It's kind of a whole thing, as a whole G2. So we're going to have some words on the, uh, on the screen and I'll read out some things and then you need to say things like, We do, and it is. So a bit like in you know, in a bit like in a baptism or a wedding or something, it's you, the bit where you join in. It's we wouldn't want to overcomplicate that, you know, because it get it'd get funny. So um so I'll read these out. And um I'll tell you what, why don't you stand up if you're able to do that? Um and uh when, when you say your bit, can I ask you to say it with all of the gusto you can muster? That'd be great. So, G2, do you welcome God into your everyday life? A bit more muster, I reckon, possible. Do you welcome God's extraordinary into your ordinary? You That's nice. Um, is following Jesus something for the every day, not just for Sunday? I agree. Uh, Do you promise to offer your ordinary, everyday life to God? We do. I ordain you all to be ordinary radicals, called to be servants of others, givers, not takers, builders, not deconstructors. I ordain you to your God-given ordinary. G2, let's go into our ordinary knowing that we are called on a Tuesday just as much as a Sunday. I ordain you to be a church whose eyes are fixed on the pilgrimage of daily life, bringing the transforming power of Jesus into every moment. We are the bringers of freedom and hope into our weeks because we received it first from the Holy Spirit. I ordain you into the ordinary. Hannah, um, if you want to take a seat, uh, Hannah's going to help us to know how to anoint one another into the ordinary. Um, as we do that and um, just to th- just to say the reason why it's really important for us that we do this together on our tables uh, is that this as hannah's just been outlining this is something for everyone so that's why it's not one person ordaining everyone here but we're doing this together because it's a plural you we're we're in it together uh, and also just a little bit on if you're wondering what on earth is this little tube of olive oil and why does it have to be o- olive oil um In the the Old Testament, there's all sorts of instances of anointing. The guy called Samuel anoints Saul, and then he anoints David as king, uh, and kings are often anointed. And then in the the New Testament, you see Jesus being anointed by a lady who pours really expensive perfume on his feet, and then you you see uh, anointing as well in the New Testament when the... Uh, apostles are kind of commissioned and they bless them and pray for them. So anointing is something throughout church history that we have used. And a good way of doing it is just to get some just get some oil and make the sign of the cross on someone's head. Um, having said all of that, Hannah's going to take us through the practicalities because, you know, COVIDs and stuff like that. Is that fair to say?
0: Yep. So obviously, there's hand sanitizer on the table. So I just suggest everyone sanitizes before and afterwards. And then, um, like Luke said, just take a bit of oil. Maybe do this in twos, and um, and just put the oil on the head in the shape of a cross. We've put some suggested words on. Uh, the screen just in case that helps and you might be thinking I don't really know what to say so if you want to use those words you can they're not like super magical words I just made them up um, but if if you want to um, pray more you know if the person you're with if you feel like you've got a word for them or anything and you want to spend some time praying then do go for that as well but I know we're all in different places so if you just want to keep it dead simple do the oil um, say the words and then we will go straight into some song worship after this um, so over to you guys